And we're coming to you live. We're live. We're live. We're on the air. We're on the air. Coastal radio. Coast to coast. Terrestrial radio. Yes, sir. AM airwaves. AM airwaves. The ones that always come in a little static. Yeah. For some reason, there's always like there's always like a lot of super religious AM radio shows. For some reason, whatever. <laughs> yeah, terrestrial radio really appeals to the uh, middle American, the rural American. Oh, yeah. Not a lot of access to other media outlets, I think. Yeah, it really is lowest, lowest common denominator. I mean, I mean, who listens to the radio anymore? Let's be honest. People on their morning commute. I guess, yeah. It's the classic morning commute. Listen, turn on morning. that radio. You yeah. see that I have two drinks today? I do see that, yeah. It's just water drinks. and tea. Yeah. Usually I have multiple drinks, a sugary caffeinated one, and then water. And, al- and multiple water alcoholic is life, ones. And then multiple... But I'm changing my life. Yeah. No more alcohol. You found Jesus. Or at least not as much. You found Jesus. <laughs> well, you know, I don't want to have to keep going back for treatment, you know. Yeah. I was in up. treatment. So here's a little story I wanted to tell you. I wanted I wanted to talk about this one because it's, it's kind of funny and it's kind of scary too. But I wanted to wait till it was resolved uh, to talk about it. Yeah, I remember you talking but, about this. Yeah, so... um. As you know, but people not listening probably don't know, I was in treatment for, you know, alcohol and substance abuse counseling um, through the month of May and June. Um, And I was receiving coverage here and um, through Cover California, I had Kaiser, but something weird. Did you have Cobra? No, I just have Cover California. Okay. Yeah, it provides me Kaiser. Okay. Um, But because of that... um, Something weird happened um, in the month of June where, like, through Cover California, I was, like, kicked off my insurance, but I didn't realize it until I was notified by Kaiser. It was, like, Kaiser just sent me, like, one mail, one letter in the mail yeah. that said, hey, you're no longer with Kaiser as of June 1st. And I was, like, meanwhile, I've been going to the, getting lab tests, going to see a counselor, starting various treatments that, um, it racked me up a pretty big bill. It was about over $1,200. Yeah. And I, you know, I didn't know why. And I was able, well, like what first happened was I had to like reestablish my coverage and cover California. Like we had the bill there. Like I sent a payment in, it got bounced back for no reason. I don't know. I don't know who messed up if it was covered California or Kaiser themselves. But anyways, I didn't realize that this was a problem until like June 20th. So I got a big fatty medical bill sent to me for over $1,200 a few weeks ago. And I was kind of panicking because, you know, that's a pretty decent amount of money to just get a random bill in the mail. And, you know, I got bills all over the place. Maybe my uh, my other story, my legal proceedings, I'll talk about after that's resolved too because that's a funny one. Yeah. That's a funny one. But this one, I just wanted to say, I called them a couple weeks ago. They said they they were going to further it up the chain. And, like, they opened up a case for me. There was an agent working on it. They said they'd get back to me. They didn't get back to me, but um, I guess like uh, like my mom, because my mom helps me with paying through covered, and she got a, a letter on her email saying that like oh like everything was all good, and I guess like I went and I looked on my bill because the bill was there on my Kaiser 
um web page but yeah. i went and looked and it was at zero i was like i was like ready to settle it and just say hey i'll pay 10 percent, which is my copay right. i'll pay 10 percent of this bill tops but i didn't have to pay any zero i barely had to do anything they just scanned that shit looked at it so i won i beat yet Unique. another force to be reckoned with i've i've taken on student loans i've taken on other loans i've taken on the courts the cities the counties and now the uh, insurance companies and i come out on top every time I'm cool. not paying, bitch. <laughs> yeah, you know, I mean, you have it's... You fight me for this money. It's a problem that's uniquely American, you know, worrying about your coverage and worrying about, you know, whether or not there's going to be lapses in your coverage. It's and almost then... a big enough headache where I'm like, fuck being insured. Fuck going to the doctor. <laughs> yeah. Screw it. Yeah, Whatever. you know, that's why we should have, that's why we should have universal Medicare. But, single you know, pair. Single pair. Yeah, I agree, but... Well, on the topic of uh, of healthcare, you want to talk a little bit about COVID? Something we haven't really yeah. broached on this show well, yet. We've, I mean, obviously, it's hard to have. Yeah, you know, I just, I just don't like talking about it because the only thing is, is that like we've all been through it. We've all been through this like mm-hmm. just terrible year. I'm just like, why, why fucking just continue to bring yeah. it up? I mean, but we're not denying. It wouldn't make it. the most fun listening. I don't. Think right, but well, one reason why I think get old because like with COVID, I feel like we're just having the same conversations yeah. over and over again. For sure, but some people just you know they're not. Um. They're listening to, you know, quacks online and shit like that. Like, there's that one guy, um, I forget the guy's name, but he's someone who's credited with creating the mRNA vaccine, Mm -hmm. helping create it. But in reality, he's like a disgraced doctor who like wrote a paper on it. But he's claiming that he helps. Is this Andrew Wakefield? No, no, no that's the, the original, British. That's the that's British. The original yeah, that's the guy that like that started it all. His anti-vaccine. Uh, I forget Hold his on, name. Before we continue with this, if we're gonna talk about vac- vaccine, because as people probably heard, COVID with the Delta variant and the Epsilon variants and the Lambda and all the variants, whatever, they're spiking. There's spikes around the country yet again. It's gotten old. COVID's gotten old. It's, t- it's like, come on, time to move on. COVID. You know, and I think we're all just like, when is this shit going to be done with? So the guy's name is uh, Dr. Robert Malone. No, you pr- okay, but a lot of anti-vaxxers and shit like that, that are bringing... boy? Yeah, yeah they're bringing guy- up... <laughs> That's the that's the uh that the their their champion. Yeah. Uh, um and you know, uh well first off, we'll just bring up something that's close to me well, and Zach, uh be- Joe Rogan. Before we talk oh. get into vaccinations, there is something I want to make clear for the record. There is a difference between vaccine hesitancy and anti-vax. Right. Vaccine hesitancy I think is normal. I think everybody experienced that. I yeah, did. We when did. I, yeah, I was nervous did. to go get it, you know. It is, you know, you, you know, I think everybody experienced a little bit of anxiety about it. And it's normal to have vaccine hesitancy. The issue I think that we take gripe with, that we have a gripe with, is the anti-vax stuff. Right. So one thing I have to say, you know, is... I don't think we're going to convince anybody, regardless of what we say. I don't think anybody can convince anybody of any anti-vaxxers. The vaccine-hesitant people, I think the people that are on the fence can be swayed one way or another. TFG, too far gone. I think it's a little bit of like a sunken cost fallacy, Mm. where they've just invested so much into it. So much into the anti-vax stuff that to like reverse and go back on it now and say, oh, never mind, I think I was wrong. Like, it's just not in a human nature to want to do something like that. Yeah. So, I, I honestly think the best course of action, at least when directing an- with 
combating anti-vaxxers is to just straight up ignore them i mean it's yeah. a market it it, it it commands a lot of attention yeah. it's it's literally like a a market almost you know online it commands so much attention if you're in that bubble you're only going to get you know people agreeing with you you're only going to be seeing things you agree with due to the algorithms online and whatnot and the bubbles people get trapped in in online discourse but you know I, and i don't think that like there's much to be said to anti-vaxxers that's gonna you know give them an aha moment yeah. with people who are more or less on the fence and vaccine hesitant i think those are the people that we should be reaching out more to in terms of like saying like you know like we got it we're fine you know both me and you we're not going to speak for everybody but everybody i know has, has that has gotten the vaccine has been fine and sure breakthrough cases are happening right now with the delta variant we both know people personally who've been vaccinated and tested positive for covid yeah. so recently you know nothing is is going to be a clean smooth perfect process but i think that there is you know some you know light at the end of the covid tunnel and there is a solution here and it's staring us right in the face and to continue to argue about it and pretend like you know like it's something more nefarious than than what it is is just doing us the country our communities and everybody in the world a disservice yeah yeah you know i mean i uh i I know some uh, some anti-vax people in my life um you know uh I, where I work with, you know, I work with a very at-risk community, so we got the vaccines early. And for me, yeah, I was I was a little hesitant, but you know, it's like a cost-benefit analysis. You're like, you're like, all right, vaccines have been around forever. Fuck it, whatever. Yeah. I okay. mean, there, there's tons of people in my family that were vaccine hesitant. Even yeah. my mom, to 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 this day, she, even though she's been vaccinated, still is like uncertain about it and is like, mm, sure, who knows. Sure. You know. and, and, you know, and I think, I don't know, I'd be curious to see what happens um, once the FDA approval comes in, which is should be coming in within the next couple of weeks from what I've been yeah. hearing. If that'll convince yeah, a lot but of people on the fence I think, to I think, go ahead. I think you're right. There's a lot of people who... It's not going to convince the anti-vaxxers. Yeah. Um, Nothing will ever be good enough. But, but recently, what I wanted to bring up was Joe Rogan. Mm-hmm. He had on uh, this guy from the Black Rifle Company. Oh, yeah, we watched that clip. What was his name? Ethan something? E- Evan Hafer? Evan Hafer. Yeah, so basically, he's trying to be like the right-wing Starbucks. Yeah. And that's yeah, like his whole thing. They look at Starbucks and they think of it like... Oh my God! Some people in America are just so deeply so, entrenched in political bullshit that yeah. they're like, you know, everything is like a liberal versus conservative battle yeah, for them. No one you cares. Know? No so one cares. So Starbucks was and coffee was like politicized for them. Well, so because guy, you know, but it was a smart move to go out there and see that there was like a market to be like, hey, you hate, of course. you're tired of that liberal pussy coffee? Try my black rifle coffee. Well, you know, all some... proceeds go to the NRA and. <laughs> The military. <laughs> well, we've told you, we've talked about this many times before about how right wing uh, leaning content is always just fucking lame. And, you know, like, you it's know, pandering. It's pandering. Yeah. Remember recently there was that one I showed you where it was a, uh, uh, it was like a, a children's book where it was like teaching the the foils of communism and like you know it's like hey you know i still feel like that was a sad i i know it's real because it had it had a fucking page where you can buy the books and it's real yeah so joe rogan had this guy on evan hafer who also 
worth noting that uh, Kyle Rittenhouse, the guy who killed, uh, I think he killed two protesters. Yeah, it was like that kid that like drove out somewhere. I don't know. Kenosha. He had, he had Kenosha. Some it was. It was. It was during the BLM riots. Yeah, he had some vigilante streak in yeah. him or whatever. Just being a stupid kid and went out there thinking, you know, thinking he could have. You know, it probably seemed fun to him. I mean, Seem- I, when, when the riots, when not riots, but the protests were happening last summer, like we went out there, and I, I think both me and you felt the same. We're like, this is gonna be kind of fun. Like, yeah, there's a little no, bit sure, of, why know, not? So, some kid, I can't, I can understand. You know, well, but he's uh, he he was anti the protests. You know, he was, uh, you know, more recently. Actually, I don't know if you saw this, but there was a guy in uh, Oregon. Which is a, no, a notorious, which people don't like to think about, but Oregon has a history of white nationalism and, uh, and, uh, you know, just very racist people. It's the eastern part of it. So I've heard the, the, the highest concentration of white nationalists exist in, in the northeastern, uh, southeastern, or, and, uh, northern parts of the northern part of Idaho, the south, or the southeastern part of Washington and the um, northeastern part of Oregon in that little space up there, which is technically still part of the Pacific Northwest, right. but like further from the coast, more east from the coast, has the highest concentration of white nationalists in the country. Yeah, exactly. Know? And there was a guy who was uh, he was like walking around. I think it was Portland. I'm not, I'm not 100 percent sure, but he was walking around with a with an AR rifle, but it was like an airsoft rifle and he was like walking around basically cosplaying. A lot of these a lot of these like super right wing militants dudes, I feel like they, that's what they're doing. Is just they just want to cosplay as like, you know. Yeah, it's a, he's vigilante. Yeah. And so so this guy, so Kyle Rittenhouse was apparently a big supporter of Black Rifle Coffee, and and they, I think they even acknowledged him too. But then after what happened, you know, he, they distanced himself. I was himself. reading up about him after watching that clip, and the company like had to like disavow anti semites because they attracted like a large like anti semitic crowd, as you do. They <laughs> as you do, a large one does not meddle in right wing conspiracy without I mean, bringing in the you, Jews. You, you you play you play the game. You pander to this group. You're gonna attract the neo Nazis and the yeah. white nationalists. Yeah. And so they had to like disavow like all these anti semites yeah, that were probably like bummed them out and white nationalists that started buying their stuff just to be a little bit more marketable, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> And so Joe Rogan, he has this guy on, and they basic and basically Joe Rogan. See, here's the thing. One of the things I do like about him is that Joe Rogan acknowledges his stupidity. Right. Mm-hmm. That's one of the things that endeared me to him in the first place. And just as a as a uh, a background, me and Zach have been listening to Joe Rogan for like ten years mm-hmm. since the beginning. You know, uh, and. You know, we've we felt we've had a lot of different feelings. He about was more fun back in the day. Way more fun. Now he just kind of appeals to like meatheads. And I've heard I don't I only see his clips from time to time. I don't follow the show anymore. But I've heard people like online that you know reading discussions about his shows. People like legitimately like dude, Joe Rogan is like so stuck on COVID. Yeah. Like, well, not like it was more fun when he just had like weird and random conversations yeah. with his comedian buddies and you know, exactly yeah random random people. And yeah, now he's like lost in the sauce. Having He's the CEO of Black Rifle Cop. Yeah, and having uh, that right fuckhead Dan Crenshaw on. Oh, he yeah. has that guy on, and you know, and, oh, and the Weinstein brothers, Eric and Brett. You probably heard about them before. Well, Eric Weinstein, he's like one of the guys pushing a lot of COVID disinformation. Had that guy Doctor Malone on a bunch of times. 
Um, and yeah, so in this clip, he's just basically he just he just sows some more you know, like, no trust in the vaccine, but he's like, I, you know, he tries to play this, like, both sides bullshit, which bothers me, mm-hmm. you know, trying to be, like, you know, I, I, I trying to play, it seems like he's trying to play to, uh, trying to play to his audience, which I think he knows is right-wing now, yeah. and a lot of them are maybe anti-vax or whatever, and, you know, I if mean, you the look, comments on YouTube yeah, that's what, I was, that's what I was gonna but say, on the Joe Rogan subreddit, it was a little bit more measured, yeah, yeah, and, the, the yeah. The Joe Rogan subreddit, they were more so just like, ah, yeah. shit, like, here yeah. we go. But there was still a lot of people in the comments going like, thanks, Joe, for te- telling, giving a platform to the truth, brother. You know? <laughs> and it's like, yeah, it's only the truth when it fucking goes along with your fucking beliefs. Yeah. But yeah, so, uh, you know, and I, I just, I'm fucking, I'm sick and tired of these anti-vaxxers. I don't give a shit. I don't give a shit about this whole thing about, like, oh, we should try to appeal to anti-vaxxers. I'm like, no, you need to shame them and tell them that they're fucking stupid because they'll be, because they're the same people who, and literally will not think about what they put into their body any other time of the day, but then they, they all get all up in arms over the fucking vaccine. See, yeah, like I said earlier, I kind of disagree. I think the better, I've already tried the, uh, you know, confront them tactic and it didn't work out well no i know it doesn't and work so but... i think the better course of action now is to just ignore it and like i said just yeah. try and you know in your personal life just sway the people that are vaccine hesitant just be like look i got it i'm fine just We're do fine just do and it and as these surges are yeah. happening they're happening in communities that are more prone to be unvaccinated, whether that's for political reasons or economic reasons, because there is an economic disparity too with the, with the vaccine distributions. But like as these spike, you know, this wave right now is fueled. Well, it's fueled because like last year during waves, the, the, the lockdown and various COVID guidelines were still in place. This year, a lot of that's been removed and so, like, it's now, like, the vaccine's keeping it from being too bad now that those guidelines are not being followed as stringently. But, like, also, you know, the unvaccinated now are, you know, su- suffering due to these spikes. Right. You know, like, everybody in the hospitals, every, you know, everything I've seen says majority of people in the hospitals yeah. are unvaccinated. Right, and you know, and and like I said, you, I do agree with your sentiment, though, of not shaming the vaccine hesitant, because that's an understandable emotion. Mm-hmm. But once you use whatever small platform you have, whether it's your social media friends, or, you know, friends you have on Instagram, or Facebook, or whatever, and or you even just... even larger, like, there's plenty yeah. of radio hosts. Did you hear about that guy in Florida? Yeah, and he died. I think died. that's what sparked our conversation yeah. about Joe Rogan. Yeah. It, was a, it was a radio host who was a big anti-vaxxer who yeah. died of COVID. Yeah. And then, like, I think on his deathbed, I was like, yep, not a good choice. <laughs> Should have yeah. gotten vaccinated. Well, there was also the one that was someone in our group chat posted where it was uh, the guy who uh, just never got around to getting the vaccine. And he basically documents his slow death in the hospital mm. and his slow decay to the point where, like, he's like, he's like, he can bear, he's like fucking Darth, he sounds like Darth Vader and fucking, he's like, he's like, please get the fucking vaccine. And, you know, I, so I don't really feel like they, like, people who are vaccine hesitant 
deserve shame, but the people who actively push anti-vax sentiments, I think, yeah, we should just ignore them. And it's I a think political that's a, front, really, at the end for of the sure, day. Yeah. It is. It's not based on anything reasonable or with much merit, you know... It's a political front, and it's an industry at this point because tons of people are plugged in on it online, and it yeah. draws a lot of attention. So, you know, at this point, it's just tragic to me that so many lives are going to be lost due to, you know, this weird political, a mixture of a political battle and misinformation, and a lot of people are going to lose their lives. And you know, fun- that. And, and f- misinformation has been, like, the story, I think, of COVID, oh, yeah. in my opinion. Looking back at it from the start till now, misinformation and political narratives and just bullshit, I think when looking back on COVID in in years, I think that'll be a very telling story of how this pandemic got so bad is that misinformation and politics dominated compared to to rationality and a more measured response. Yeah. And we've seen it since the start from Donald Trump shrugging responsibility all the way in March of 2020 yeah. till now, DeSantis shrugging responsibility now as yeah. it spikes in his home state. Florida. Well, and, and then also, have you heard like people talking about this fucking ivermectin bullshit? It's basically just like the new hydroxychloroquine where they're trying to be like, oh, it's a, it's an alternative to COVID treatment, mm. you know? And it's like a horse dewormer, I think is what it is. Oh my god, people are gonna put that in their body. Yeah, over exactly. A vaccine, a horse dewormer. Ex- exactly. Oh. Um, <laughs> Yeah, yeah, and it's that's just, ridiculous. Yeah, and that's ridiculous. Yeah, there's this whole thing. If you're with, choosing a horse dewormer over a vaccine, yeah, my God, the uh, the blinders you have on. But see the the way that they literally a horse. That's yeah, a horse reference. Here we go. Ivermectin. <laughs> it, it's an anti-parasite that can treat infections caused by roundworms, threadworms, and other parasites. <laughs> yeah. Farm, look, you just look at it. Farm supply stores are running short on a horse, uh, horse dewormer slash pseudoscience COVID curve. Oh man! Yeah, and it's it's misinformation. It's it's, it's a plague. It's a plague in of itself yeah. among this pandemic. So, recommend get vaccinated. If we you got haven't. vaccinated. We're fine. We're fine. Most of our friends have been vaccinated. They're all fine. Most of our friends and family. And if you're anti-vax, then disregard this, I guess. Yeah, we're, like I said, we're not going to convince the anti-vaxxers. We're, our hope is just to reach out to those on the fence and, yeah. you know, talk to your doctor. We're not doctors. Talk yeah. to your doctor. Talk like, to your doctor. Like right. a commercial. Talk to your doctor. Talk to your doctor. <laughs> all right. What do you want? Pepe or Apple, Zach? Um, let's do the Apple story. All right. So this is going to be my corporate slam piece for the week. Uh, Got to give the intro, as always. Sure. Slam-a-dam-a-ding-a-ding-a-dang-dong. Dig-a-dig-a-dig-a-dang-a-ding-a-dang-dong. Drop that hammer. Yeah, that was uh, that was like a, a Red Hot Chili Peppers uh, oh, yeah. style. Nice. Oh, you got that? Yeah. 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 Thanks. <laughs> yeah. I, always thought, I always thought it's silly, like, in their music when they do shit like that. It's like, it's just... Uh, remember how we were watching, kind of really off topic here, remember how we were Woodstock? watching Woodstock 99 yeah. and Flea was butt naked on stage? Yeah. <laughs> just, yeah. You gotta respect him for that. Red Hot Chili Peppers. Who legitimately likes it? Anyways, go, go them, on, them and fucking Sublime. If you like them... I got in I got in a lot of hot water one time at a party when I stated what I thought were the most three most overrated musical acts of all time. Kiss, 
which everybody was like, okay, okay. There's there's some Kiss songs yeah, I like, but I, I will agree with the fact. I that, said yeah. Tom Petty and that kind of that was okay. Like, that one that one I disagree with. <laughs> Tom Petty has some fucking hits. And all then right? Sublime and then oh, Sublime man. I agree with one hundred percent. I had people coming at me all night telling me that I was an idiot. But but you know I used to like Sublime. I, I just gave up on yeah. it. Well, they have a they like I mean like with all those bands, of course there's a couple songs here and there that are cool. Like I like yeah. my favorite Sublime song is the one Seed, but. I like Garden Grove or uh, the Date Rape cover. Yeah, I like I like that song. But anyway, so Apple. So we're slamming. I'm slamming Apple this week. I guess you are by proxy. Sure. <laughs> um. So apparently, so one thing I just want to bring up is that Apple. For a lot of Apple users for the longest time have touted this like complex security because I've I've been a Droid guy myself. Mm-hmm. Um, I know you are as well. I've never had an Apple product minus the headphones. I love Apple yeah. headphones. Yeah, well, you like the the ones that are thick and they get in your ear. I like those ones too. Yeah, I don't like any headphones that have those weird rubber ends on. Yeah, them. I I understand. So, so a lot of Apple users will tout the security, the you know that um that's what a lot of people will shit on Android phones for. Like, oh, you get viruses on there, bro. I've had I've had literally every iteration of jordan i've never had one virus all right that i can fucking tell me either so apple is rolling out changes that will come out later this year it's called neural match and it will alert a team of human reviewers if it believes illegal imagery to be detected who would then contact law enforcement if the material can be verified so what the what they did was they fed this algorithm over 200,000 images from the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children. Mm. And uh, messages that f- uh, feature, uh, you know, you know, a lot of, like, child pornography or stuff like that. So that's what the measure is for, is to prevent the spread of child pornography, right? Mm-hmm. That's what they're, they're, they're using this for. Child exploitative content. Right. But here's, <laughs> here's the thing where uh, I'm actually curious to hear your point of view uh, on. So if parents opt in with in devices with users under 18 will scan incoming messages having to do with pornography. And a lot of the time, and if, uh, if it detects it, it'll obscure and be like, are you sure that you want to see this? And then if you hit yes, then you click through and then it will notify your parents uh-huh. who are connected on the same family network of iPhones uh-huh. that you looked at an explicit image. And Wait, it, if it, like it, someone sends it to you or yeah. if you're just browsing the internet? No, if someone sends it to you. Who says my... porn to each other? Yeah, I know. It's weird. <laughs> but I think it's like, you know, like the sharing of nudes between, you know, younger adults. Mm. Oh, right. so like if, mm, yeah. Mm. So if it's like, let's say, two 16 year olds in high school right. and they're exchanging nudes, consenting, exchanging yeah. nudes, it will flag that? It'll I don't know. That? I don't know. I don't know yet because it's still, this is something that they're planning to roll out. So we're just talking about this as just a measure, right? That they're taking. We don't know the implications of it because it hasn't been implemented yet. Mm. But this obviously caused a lot of outrage online yeah that's not because that would be weird imagine because like i think we've all 
sent nudes before a lot of us even underage i did and i've heard a lot of people say that you know both men and women say that they sent nudes while under the age of 18 but most likely to someone their own age yeah yeah exactly exactly and you send it to someone your own age and so would that put people kids receiving these messages consentingly teenagers would that put them on like a watch list as child I don't know. predators? Even. I don't know. And, you know, the, but these are the questions that are raised. See, my point is, is that the way the government and companies, the way they, you, they enact very, like, authoritarian, you know, um, measures as far as, like, you know, invasion of privacy and whatnot, the way they do it is they do it under the guise of something that's all socially acceptable, right? Yeah. You go, like, oh, we're trying to stop the spread yeah, of... Yeah, it's a weird tra- one to say, though, to argue about. Like, yeah. I'm already talking about yeah. this, I'm like, oh, man, no. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Don't and make it sound like we're... Yeah, no, on. no, we'll, and we'll just, we'll say it right now, of course, you know, we're all for it, because basically... It's just, you know, if they have it on their actual local devices, it'll alert police. Mm-hmm. It will disable the account and alert, alert the police, which, yeah. you know, that's a good thing. But that, that's how they always use to get power, right? Is they do it under something that you would be a fool for disagreeing with. And then they use that as a way to inch in on your on your privacy, yeah. right? And that's and that's just something that's you know that's as you know as old as the internet you know and mm-hmm. you know as far as being spied on I just I think it sends a real dangerous precedent because it gives Apple a back door into everyone's phone that was probably most likely already there let's be honest yeah well but, the, uh, I've heard that a big reason that this has become somewhat controversial is that Apple was touting their privacy of their right. recent iPhones. Right. And I actually heard someone talking, they weren't talking about this issue in particular, this was something I saw a bit ago, but the, but this person made this point that I thought was interesting where he was like, the issue of tech is, it's swinging, the, the issue of privacy in tech is swinging, the pendulum swinging more towards in favor of the consumer and pro-privacy these days right. than it is swinging back to the tech companies because Google's doing the same thing, you know, making right. a big show of like increasing privacy they made a big show of like saying hey we're no longer allowing third-party tracking and cookies and right. whatnot right. on on google platforms and whatnot and like apple was doing the same thing with their privacy but you know it's really just they have you know it's for their marketing because the pendulum swinging in favor right. of the consumer people are concerned about privacy online these companies realize you know if they're going to be there and doing market or doing business in, in in this country as as the anxieties over privacies are, grow and rightfully so that they're going to have to give into that and 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 meet that that you know standard of yeah. privacy in order to you know still I just do I business just, I just think that we you know it, it, it's it, this is a tough thing to talk about right it's tough to talk about because like you said. Who's going to fucking be on board for protecting, you know, child predators, child predators, yeah. no one, yeah. not us, yeah. you know, but the thing is, is that, <laughs> I know, I not just, us. not us, <laughs> so the thing is though, is that you look, you extrapolate it, they'll use it against the worst among us first, mm. and then they'll start to yeah. use it on everyone else, exactly. right? 
that's how that's how the fucking Patriot Act started. You yeah. know, they used it to yeah. to pre- with, oh just terrorists and the next and thing then it's you know, everybody. Like, yeah, it's everybody. A decade later, it's like yeah, the NSA's been listening to all of us yeah. and our allies abroad. Too, yeah, and- Edward Snowden <laughs> actually flagged this story. That's why. Oh, really? I, yeah, that's so, why I saw it. You know, it's funny to make a little bit of a connection here to the to talking about COVID. Did co- when there's a little bit of a connection here because COVID denialist and the anti-vaxxers. We'll scream all day about 1984. That's their favorite book these days. George Orwin! 1974! It's their favorite book these days, but they equate, like, COVID guidelines and uh, and vaccines to, like, a George Orwellian type, you know, uh, situation. But really, here's here's a legitimate Orwellian-esque issue, you know, you know infringement of of privacy by you know the companies that control like devices that we have literally with us all the time right you know and where are these uh covid denialists and anti-vaxxers on that they're uh you know it's crickets over there yeah, crickets. <laughs> yeah it's only it's only when it's it not has... a fun topic yeah. it's not a glitzy one it's not fun it doesn't get the views that the anti-vax and the yeah. covid denialism get you, you, you know funny enough this kind of reminds me so there's been uh like a while back, maybe like about a month ago, uh, uh, Julian Assange's family went to uh, went to Washington D.C. to try to plead to forgive. Uh, oh, he was in the news recently too yeah. because they're tr- the British government's trying really hard to just get the U.S. to drop it and yeah. allow him to come back to Britain, and the U.S. really wants really bad yeah. to extradite him here. I know. And charge him to under the Espionage him. Act. Yeah, yeah. But, so, uh, but let but, him go, free Assange. But <laughs> funny enough, um, th- under Trump, they were making a real hard push before he went out to pardon him uh, as a slight to as a slight to Hillary. Yeah, you know, and a slight to the uh, establishment yeah. Democrats. Mm-hmm. But of course, it, Trump yeah. didn't do it because I was waiting for that too on one of his on his like last week or so. No. I was like, I was like, is he going to do it? Is he going to no. pardon them? He just forgave yeah. like a bunch of like horrible <laughs> he did people. Roger Stone. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He did his cronies. He doesn't actually yeah. care. <laughs> So you All know everything else is just posturing. Yeah, and you know honestly, and it really sucks because you know someone, people like Edward Snowden and Julian Assange, and more recently, I forget the name of the guy, but there was a drone, um, a drone whistleblower really. recently who got um, punished. Here, uh, vamp while I look it up. One sec. Um. Well, in re- in regards to this issue, I think online privacy or privacy tech tech privacy is important um california our own state i you know it gets laughed at in many ways but it has probably the best privacy laws on the books consumer privacy and personal privacy laws on the books you know and it's one of those weird things where you know people that might be in favor of of these types of measures and policies will always be like if you got nothing Nothing to hide, nothing to fear, you know, which is like such an ominous statement. But really, it, it, it shouldn't have to come down to that. Like, we're entitled to our privacy. We're entitled to use our phones, our computers, which are vital tools to um, exist and, and, and communicate and do work in modern life. We're entitled to our, 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 our freedom to privacy yeah. on those devices and having these companies come in. And, and, and kind of nibble at the bit. That's what they're doing. They're nibbling at, 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 at yeah. it, trying to see, ooh, how far can we push it? Can yeah, it's like dipping this? your toe in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you slowly start edging that door And then open. all of a sudden, you're in the pool. Yeah. <laughs> and the next thing you know, like, they're looking at everything that you got coming yeah. through. And they started so, with something. Like, oh, we're just looking for child pornography. Yeah. And 
Next thing you know, they're reading every message you got. Yeah. So the guy's name was Daniel Hale. He was uh, a man who uh, basically he disclosed a lot that, you know, the the targets of drone, drone strikes, 90% of the people who were killed in these drone strikes were not intended targets. So innocent civilians. He was just recently sentenced to... Uh, 45 months in prison for violating the Espionage Act. Damn. This this Espionage Act is a is a dangerous one. It, it really it, is. It has it is like basically of a, a form of of censoring vital government information from coming out to the public. You know? Right. And and whether it's applied to Assange, who's not even a U.S. citizen, or, or this other guy, you know, it's you know or Snowden. Yeah, you know, people all you know. It, can complain all day about censorship when someone gets deplatformed online, but here's a real, legitimate federal yeah. law that that the, censors but, vital information about yeah, the government. But instead, dealing. they'll just get upset that like Marjorie Taylor Greene was like banned for like 24 yeah. hours. And she's off not Twitter. blowing the whistles on anything. She's yeah. just blowing racist so, dog whistles. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, you know, uh, everyone's looking at your shit. So. <laughs> Uh, well, they're gonna try to at least if they yeah, aren't already. Exactly. So last night I uh, I was I That's was a surveillance state. Yep, it's a surveillance cre- state. Creating it. That's the real 1984. George Orwell. Nothing to do with COVID or vaccines. Yep. It's privacy issues, and it's how it starts at least. Yep. And then all of <laughs> a sudden they're all the way up state. your butthole. <laughs> so uh, I watched this documentary fuck last. That surveillance state. Yeah. Fuck it. So I watched this documentary last night because I was watching uh, Hassan's stream while I was studying for the LSAT. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, just I, I I've been watching a lot of Twitch recently, especially especially uh, Hassanabi stream. But I've been wa- been kind of cruising around because you know whatever. I'm just curious. It was not really a a platform I used all that much. Mm-hmm. You know. Uh, when, yeah, are we, when are we going to take this podcast to Twitch? <laughs> Live stream it. Maybe. I don't know. Yeah, we could. Um, Whatever could be a fun experiment in the future. I'm not ready for that yet. Yeah, I'm not. I'm, yeah, not, I'm not confident not, enough yeah, yet. <laughs> no, I'm not. So, uh, I was watching Hassan's stream. Uh, they brought up, like, uh, just, like, this little video. I told you to watch it about um, Pepe the Frog, mm. the Pepe meme. And then, so I, I saw that there was a documentary called uh, "Feels Feels Good Man," mm-hmm. and it's all about the it's all about this artist Matt Fury who created the pe- the Pepe Pepe the Frog. And uh, he said one thing I thought was funny in the documentary is that when he was uh, he was in a lawsuit with Alex Jones. And uh, they were like, why did you name him Pepe the Frog? He's like, because it sounded like pee-pee, and he's saying this in a deposition. <laughs> it made me laugh really hard. So um, so it's all about... I think that's where the feels good man came, thing came from. Yeah, like yeah, yeah. The comic strips where he, yeah, it was, it was, was peeing. Yeah, the guy was peeing down, with his yeah. pants all the way down, and someone's like, hey, why are you doing that? And he's like, feels good, man. <laughs> and, um, you know, so... It talks about how this artist, he kind of like... What's his name? Matt F- Matt Fury. Okay. Uh, F-U-R-I-E. And I recommend watching the Feels Good Man documentary. Uh, it's really good. It's a nice light watch. You know, not too, you know, like depressing or anything. It's more so just like... It's, it's cool to see him like take back his creation. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Seeing an artist take back his creation from probably some of the worst people in America. The alt-right. 
<laughs> so, little backstory. Pepe the Frog comes from this co- comic uh, series called The Boys Club, right? And it was just, like, about... You know, it was like the way the artist described it is that it was like kind of like a reflection on the coming out of college phase of life, right? Where you're just kind of like aimless and wistful, you know, it's like, you know, no real direction where we're at right now. Unfortunately. (laughs) Unfortunately. So, uh, all of a sudden, um, Pepe started popping up on 4chan. Right. And Pepe, the, the, what I thought was really cool in the documentary, what they brought up is that Pepe, the Pepe meme that they used, whatever particular form of it, whether it's the sad Pepe or the smug Pepe or whatever, they all reflect the person posting it. Right. And that's how it ultimately gets turned to evil. Um, so, well, when I was watching this thing, I like, I kept having this question. I was like, why did this become like such an iconic figure and like such a relatable right. figure? And I was like, there's just something about it. This anthropomorphic frog that is just like very, it's cute. And it's like both also very identifiable. Yeah. And like, I just feel like it, people felt like it was a whole, like a hearty representation of their emotions. Yeah. And themselves. Yeah. And to know. people who are very online, it's like a way to represent themselves and, you know, and it's also easily drawn. It's yeah. easy to recreate, which is another reason that they bring up how it gets co-opted by the alt right. Mm-hmm. Um, funny enough, when I'm like watching Hassan's stream, one of the things I like about it is that when you're looking at the chat, you'll just see like, you know, a string of just like animated Pepe's, you know, like smoking a cigarette or, you know, or like, you know, it's just, it's a fun reaction. You get, you get why you use it. Yeah, I actually have a, have a little bit of an anecdote about Pepe. The, so Pepe the Frog has been around for a decent amount of time. I remember first making jokes about the feels good man stuff and pepe the frog back in high school with with friends in high school you know friends that hung out online a lot you know and you would see it online you know whether it was through 4chan or i remember i must have first started seeing it around like i don't remember exactly when but i used to frequent the uh the website Funny Junk and uh, man, oh, I remember website, that. <laughs> this yeah. website went downhill quickly. Like it yeah. was like before it became iFunny. I think before before I um before I moved on to like you know just going to Reddit more frequently or whatever. Yeah. And like weirdly, like the website had some weird shift somewhere in the early 2010s, and it's it, it all became like Pepe memes. But it all like it became also like an offshoot of the poll board on 4chan, the politically right. incorrect. So it was all politically alt-right based you know political pepe memes and i remember like one day i was like scrolling through i'm like man what the fuck happened to this website what the hell's going on with the goddamn pepe the frog and the feels good man and why is this all of a sudden all hella political and like far right at that yeah and that was like i swear i was in high school when this was was happening so like predates a lot of like you know the rise of trump and everything that yeah pepe you know kind of just somehow got co-opted in some so something way. so something natural happened mm-hmm. right it ended up being co-opted by these alt-right movements during the trump run for his presidency that he ultimately won it was before this was the point yeah before, no no it was, no, it was years since, before no 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 it was it was before for sure but it bubbled up to a fervor mm-hmm. during the trump campaign um 
So, and it was the start of the smug Pepe meme. And that's the one where people were like, yeah, it's, you know, it's what I'm talking about, where he has a thumb yeah, on the chin. Yeah, and so, think, mm, yeah, yeah. and that one became notorious for a lot of alt-right circles and stuff. The like ones that. I would see a lot on, on like, on like 4chan or, or Funny Junk or wherever that like, um, before, before it really became like a full-fledged right-wing thing, it would have like a Pepe drawn and like almost look like he was dying and he would have like a tank of something like he would have oh, like copium. a mask on. Yeah, well, no, no this reason- was before the term Kobe, oh, long yeah. before the term yeah. Kobe. He would like have a mask on and it'd be connected to a tank, you know, feeding him like a like a breathing mask, yeah. feeding him like whatever the, you know, intention of yeah. the, uh, the the comic was supposed to be about. Like, a, yeah. you know, a certain meme that was in the tank that it yeah. just kept feeding him or a certain political ideology right, or right. whatever, a certain message that he's just like, oh, right. it's in the, his oxygen tank yeah. and he's breathing it well, in. Well, funny enough, that gets used against Trump supporters now as mm-hmm. uh, the yes, put as copium, become, yeah. which I think is funny. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and you cannot over dose on copium let me tell you just ask mike pillow right that guy has that guy has od'd on copium he's got the documents though he's got the documents so anyway so he's a pepe he's a pepe so the smug pepe meme was was during this rise so then you started hearing about kekistan and kek Mm -hmm. so kek i learned is (laughs) world of warcraft Right, mm-hmm. but there was also an Egyptian god named Kek, I guess, mm. or something. I've and, never heard of the, an Egyptian god. Yeah, and so, the, yeah. It means, that's, it means LOL because right. it's from World of Warcraft. Right. Um, and it was when you are see players from the another side, Yeah. Um, you can't see what they're typing, right? So it would just come up as gibberish. But when players on another side would type LOL, it would be seen by the oh, opposition I did not know that. That's as funny. Kek, That's K-E-K. funny. Well, that got that got co-opted as like the way for, yeah, uh, the... Also, another thing, another uh, iteration, I didn't realize it came from this, but so the whole re thing, re, you'll see that a lot. It comes from a video of these frogs where they're screeching, right? And it sounds like a re, so that's how like, you know, the the... The Pepe Re came about. Yeah. Well, wasn't Re supposed to be like directed at like people that considered themselves autists? Yeah. A- yeah. Autistic yeah. people. But, the, but I think even they themselves. was like an autistic. Yeah. I think even them themselves would admit that they're kind of like that. Mm-hmm. You know, these all right um, people on 4chan. Mm-hmm. So it seemed like in the documentary, the way they would talk about it is that they wanted to meme. Donald Trump into the presidency, right? That's what, as far as like on 4chan on these channels. Well, that's what they claim. I mean, there's obviously a lot more nuance and Yeah, it's a lot more. Yeah, but come on. Yeah, they're going to try and take credit for a presidential election. No, no, no. I would hear that too when Trump first got elected. I was like, Come on, don't sit here and pretend like you guys. I mean, I'm yeah. sure it worked. I'm sure it was a major part of it. Well, they actually had one guy but, who would talk, who was like an occult specialist, and mm-hmm. he talks about like how like if a large group of people manif- try to manifest something, that their collective power, you know what I mean, is is quite interesting. Like there was one... They're making a tulpa? Yeah, and one thing that they brought up was like they wanted to see Hillary stumble, right? Mm-hmm. And then there was a video where she's like getting into a van where she stumbles, and they're like, oh my god, we did it like and they just I, I just thought it was kind of funny you know what i mean they didn't obviously but you know it's funny when there's like a whole group of people 
doing and the weird thing about it too that i thought was cool is that they not cool but they talked about like the whole thing of the chan boards is that the most upvoted reach to the top like any place but like anything that does it's actually the most discussed there's no the most discussed okay yeah, because when you add a new comment onto a thread it's bumped to the top of the, of okay. the page and there's like right. 15 pages i think on every board right and then something gets archived once it goes past okay that. so i did not know that that's interesting okay so um so what really gave him a lot of power though is when hillary came out and declared pepe a symbol of hate right um and when you d deem something as a hate symbol it becomes as something especially something as silly as a as pepe a frog, the frog which the, is weird the adl um the anti-defamation league mm -hmm. they 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 claimed it as a hate symbol and at the end it's kind of sad you see like oh, yeah, all... pepe became like they were using like pepe as hitler or like as yeah. a nazi or like yeah you know and um they try to do a uh, at first, I've his seen plenty of images of Pepe dressed in like Gustavo sure. gear. Yeah, no, yeah, you can see it. So what they tried to do to counteract this, the artist, he tried uh -huh. to do this thing where, where he tried to save the Pepe, tried to save the Save Pepe campaign, where he would try and make it a simple piece where all these people would post like you know like positive Pepe's, and of course they all got turned into racist memes on the 4chan boards, you know. But you know it was like it, he was trying at least to combat it, right? Because he hated the fact that something he created got bastardized and turned us into something kind of gross and disgusting. Yeah. Well, here's a question I have in regards to that. As much as I I, I do understand his frustrations, like. Like, you know, I read something when I was in school called The De Death of an Author by Roland Barthes. And it basically, like, posed this question that once you author something, once an artist creates something, writes something, or whatever, and publishes it, sends it out to the world, like, is it still their creation? Or does it become... Something on its own. Well, does it become, like, whoever the audience is? Whoever... it Does it become a creation of... Like, can the viewer take anything away that they want from it? Right. Basically, like, if the author's original or the artist's original intent was was something else, and then, let's say, like, a certain viewer of, of it took some... Gleamed something else from it, does that make it not true because the artist originally intended something else? Or is it true because it's really whatever the viewer... Right. viewers perspective is the viewers interpretation I, I and i think and especially I, th I think that's even more true in the case of publishing something online when you put something online you know yeah. i feel like your agency over it, it kind of goes out the window especially if it becomes viral no totally. like, it's gonna be hard to control it's like almost like it's no longer yours it now belongs to the, the collective audience of it online or elsewhere so I think even this guy would agreed with you to a certain extent because mm -hmm. at first he didn't he didn't he was like he was like what am I gonna do mm -hmm. you know what I mean like it's I mean like, I'd be a little proud of if I was him at first you know to see like yeah. one of my comics get so popular yeah so maybe in all the wrong ways but <laughs> yeah so uh, 4chan felt like they mean okay we already mentioned that um, so he d uh, he decided to kill Pepe in a comic yeah they had the death of Pepe. Mm -hmm. Right, and he because he was he was fed up, so and all his other little anthropomorphic animal friends attended his funeral. Yeah, so, um, and then it takes a weird turn, and it starts talking about these rare Pepe's, right? And it's basically like a like Pepe, yeah. it's apparently like a crypto slash NFT scam, not scam, but like a crypto slash like 
it's like a crypto thing where they collect these cards and they're like they're called rare pepes rare, the term rare pepe has existed long before NFT. okay but I'm, I'm but stuff. right but I'm, I'm talking about this this is what it what it was online like they even go to this point where this guy he gets the most rare one of the most highest valued rare pepes which is this homer pepe Right. I, I really I don't think that's what Rare Pepe originally referred well, to. Well that's that's it referred to like I think it was like a compliment to a good Pepe meme. Okay. Originally. Well, th- okay. Well it, later not on positive on that. I tended to avoid this subsect of fortune and, and this yeah. little So so it goes on that, you know, that it, it, I don't know why they brought that point up, but I think it's just to show that there's still, like, a huge appreciation for Pepe, even though it's been maligned, right? Like, mm-hmm. there was this whole community around collecting one-of-one one Pepe cards. I'll, sh- I'll, sh- I'll show it to you later. Okay. Um, so, uh... I believe this is more newer, though, and, than... And Pe- Pepe Cash. I don't... Yeah, I don't, I don't know. It might be something newer, but uh, it doesn't really say when it started. Oh, it just, like, kind of brings it up, like, randomly. Okay. Um, just thought it was fu- funny to bring up. Um, so Pepe became an entry point for radicalization for a lot of these people on, on like the Chan boards, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so you get him with something goofy. Yeah, and it and honestly it wore on uh, the guy Matt emotionally, you know, and it affected his mental health because like. Uh, like even one of his buddies, who's his, he, the, the guy Matt, just to give you a little, um, just insight. The guy's like a little bit of like a kind of hippie-ish dude, a little bit, like a little bit, mm. a little crunchy. Um, and his his you know room, one of his roommates, uh, he had like a feels good man tattoo that was like way before it became politically maligned, mm-hmm. right? And people said, like, you know, and he just got it because it was his buddy and he liked the... Yeah, they were probably good. proud that it went viral to an yeah. extent. Like, that's yeah. cool. Yeah, to, like, and have so, a so, comic or so, something, a piece of art you make become, like, me. super popular yeah. like that. And natural, too. It wasn't, like... Like, it, like we talk about that a lot, about people trying to force virality and something that naturally just comes aboard. That's, yeah. you know, something you created? That's cool. Mm-hmm. And the guy, the roommate, he... he said that he would go out after it had been politically maligned and people will just assume that he was like a part of the alt-right or oh, something really? like that and he's just like some crunchy hippie dude That's you know? yeah <laughs> um so then it goes into talk the documentary goes into talking about a suit with alex jones okay. so alex jones had this like maga pride poster right where it had all these different faces i couldn't even pick out most of the people to be honest but it had Trump and it had a it had a Pepe on there, right? Uh-huh. Because it was you know Alex Jones, whatever. <laughs> uh, and the blanks there, I guess. So what happened was there was this huge, um, this huge, uh, you know, settlement between them where actually the guy Matt Fury won and Infowars had to pay him something, right? And then, you know, they, the attorney tried to play it off for Alex Jones. The attorney for him tried to play it off and be like, ah, oh, it's one bad night at the strip club. And and he's like, and then the guy Matt, it cuts to him. He's like, look, they're trying to play it off like it was a small settlement, but he's like, that's more than I ever made on this comic mm. whatsoever. You know, I just thought that was kind of interesting, yeah. you know? And, be, and so he also, won against Alex Jones. Yeah, he Everybody won. got a settlement. Well, because so what happened was is they talk about how he starts to work with this law firm that takes him on pro bono, and 
they like that, the, you know, I think a lot of the times when lawyers take on shit pro bono, it's for the, the, the cause, the publicity and, and yeah, one publicity of the, too, yeah. yeah. And the, one of the guys said, I thought this was kind of cool. He's like, he's like a chance to take on the all right. And he's like, hell yeah. Mm. You know, I kind of like the spirit, yeah. <laughs> uh, the lawyer. Um, and, um, so they copyrighted the Pepe meme and, then they just started going after all these notorious uh, white supremacists who had co-opted his... Uh, you ever seen the famous clip of that guy, Richard, Richard Spencer, Spencer, getting knocked someone, out? They showed it. Someone asked him about, like a reporter asked him about the Pepe pin, and he starts to explain. He's like, you know, it's Pepe. He's kind of become a symbol, and right as he says that, he gets punched right in the face. Yeah, but... And I like to think yeah. that Pepe became a symbol of... Oh. Of Nazis getting punched in the face. Hell yeah! And you know, and you know what? That was I, I had to rewind it a couple times because I love that clip. I just love seeing his smug face get punched in. There is a funny re remix of that. Sometimes people uh, in the hardcore community will remix certain fight videos, funny ones with like hardcore songs. There's a funny one that that was had a good hardcore song, a ceremony song playing. I think I got punched in the face. So him, uh, the Daily Stormer. Baked Alaska. You've I've heard, heard of that. that. I've uh, heard of the Daily Stormer. <laughs> yeah. Um, they got hit with a DMCA copyright. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so that's how he ended up taking it away from these. And the one of the things that he said that motivated him to get this copyright over the Pepe meme and over, you know, the, um, the boys club thing was that there was this guy who was going to... And the guy, the guy, Matt Fury, he likes to make children's books, right? Yeah. Um, and this guy was coming out with a children's book that was going to use the Pepe the Frog. And a lot of it in there had, like, a lot of Islamophobia in this, in this children's book. And it was really disturbing, right? And basically, that's how he... That's what motivated him to get the copyright. I see. And I'll, I'll leave you off on a little bit. And I think this is probably one of the cooler parts of this story is in regards to Hong Kong and with the protests there mm -hmm. is, you know, after all this, you know, it, it shows him trying to like convince the ADL to take it off as a symbol of hate. And they still go like, look, man, it's, it's kind of, it's out of our hands at this point, And you know, it's whatever they kind of dismiss him, which I thought was kind of, kind of, you know, you feel bad for this crunchy hippie. Feels bad, man. It feels bad, man. <laughs> um, and uh, so going to Hong Kong, naturally, it just became like a, a meme within the protest that, that Pepe kind of represented them, the working... Yeah, the pro-democracy protest. Right. And, and it was funny, like, you'd see them, like, people ask them, about you Which know, is a lot more cool and a lot more powerful than hell being yeah. a, a symbol for white hell nationalism. Yeah. Hell, of course, hell yes. <laughs> and um, I thought one of the things was cool is like uh, someone was interviewing them all about like the like it was really cool. Like you see like people like holding these little Pepe Tutty Bears and they're wearing Pepe hats and they're like fighting for a just cause and they're like it's it was a way, the Pepe meme was a way for us all to connect yeah. and organize which i thought was kind of cool mm. you know and um that's how they leave off the documentary and i was like that was a that was a cool note that they left off on mm. i, I like the fact that you know that it ends up turning into a movement for good yeah you know pepe's still around to this day and, and it's on, not, twi on, twi yeah, on twitch one it's... of the main emojis that you see on twitch chats yeah you know and it's not necessarily as much associated with the alt-right or white nationalism as it might have been five six years ago right. 
you know and but i guarantee you there's a lot of people who are not as uh like you know literate with the online culture who would still assume that it is a symbol yeah. of, of hate and you know as for the the creator matt what was his name matt fury matt fury you know it's must have been a very frustrating situation for him but if i was him i'd be pretty proud that something i created became so universal struck such a chord with like people across the board and basically became a form of like online hieroglyphics like yeah. it's it's it speaks for itself and, to Pepe and, face. and, and like, the fact you could post it in all different manners yeah. and it conveys so much emotion and it does exactly what you know online hieroglyphics are supposed to do and that say a lot with just a little little image a little emoji right. of some kind right you know a little whatever it might be so you know, I you know I would be if I was him. Yeah, there's a lot of ups and downs with Pepe, but I would be proud that like it became such a massive part of the like online zeitgeist, and, and it still is to this day. And, and people still love it so much to this day. You know, not despite it, but like you know, as their own way. Because one of the thing I thought that was really profound that the guy said he's like Pepe is a mirror of the po person posting it. Mm -hmm. And that's why I feel like it's it, it is yeah. so popular is because I mean people across the board you like you like you know like when I saw in that video like there is Nicki Minaj posted like her version of a Pepe right. where I was like a Pepe twerking yeah. or something yeah. I don't know and, and you know and it was funny like when I was watching it in Hassan's stream there's like a lot of people posting Pepe memes when they're watching that clip I showed you and uh, they were like it's me it's me yeah. and you know it's like a cute little thing it's fun you know yeah. it's like it's and fun it's like universally identifiable too like right it really does like I and, don't know. So and it speaks to people and <laughs> and many different creators will say that like it's like the face of twitch viewers yeah is that that's how they view you know um that's how they view twitch viewers is a bunch of little pepe frogs and yeah. i think that's cute and i like that sure I also, I will have a little bit of my own negative bashing perspective on this too. Yeah. I think it's also the result of, um, um, you know, harbor, harboring back to our conversation about the empty internet and the, and the, you know, similarity. Like some part of me can't help but think that it's kind of like almost, it's, it's too common and it's kind of become like, like, it's a little bit like, you know, seeing people online, like constantly repost is almost like, like it, 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 it almost feels like it's it's become too commonplace that it's like, I don't know. That's become almost like it's lost a little bit of meaning, okay. you know. And and that I that it's I, like it just feels like an army of bots spamming Pepe. I guess yeah. is, is how is how I view On, it these days. And you know what? I I think in maybe any other online format, I would agree with you. But on Twitch, it works. Mm -hmm. On Twitch, it works because a lot of times the chat's so far moving. But when you see like a bunch of different Pepe's with different emotions, like it's like the like you know, it's a way for the Twitch chatter to express themselves. I think or that, just a bunch of bots yeah. to spam Pepe. Sure, but you know I I I tend to look on the lighter side of it. <laughs> all right, let's get into our uh, our shame segment. All right. All right. Before we continue on, I gotta go. Yeah. So. Uh... You know, I saw a tweet of yours that I liked the other day. Um, you you put something on that you you said uh, the only time you hear about governors is when something has gone really really wrong. <laughs> yeah, I mean it's true. Like I feel like in twenty twenty, I learned the names of many governors. I mean, I, like obviously I know the governor of my own state, 
But like 2020, I learned the names of so many governors I'd never heard of before. Well, yeah, well, because a lot of them had to do with their response to COVID. Yeah. You know, like the Jim Justice or Abbott. Or, you hear yeah, about Greg him? Abbott. When oh, yeah. Ice storm in Texas. You know, it's a weird year. thing. Did you know that that guy's in a wheelchair? Really? He's in I a wheelchair. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like you only hear about a governor if a governor's doing their job right. You don't. You don't really hear too much about him. No. But if but, they're doing something wrong, <laughs> yeah, you damn well will learn about that governor, yeah. even if it's not in your own state. Especially a governor who has been on the air so much that he actually got an Emmy. That's right, folks. This week, we're gonna shame Mr. Governor Andrew Cuomo. Andrew Cuomo. All right. Shame. 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 Shame on you. Okay. So we're shaming him this week because, you know, so much bad stuff here. We'll uh, we'll cut in a little bit of his apology right here. And... I've been making the same gesture in public all my life. I actually learned it from my mother and from my father. It is meant to convey warmth. Nothing more. Indeed, there are hundreds, if not thousands of photos of me using the exact same gesture. I do it with everyone, black and white, young and old, straight and LGBTQ, powerful people, friends, strangers, people who I meet on the street. After the event, the woman told the press that she took offense at the gesture. And for that, I apologize. Another woman stated that I kissed her on the forehead at our Christmas party and that I said, ciao, Bella. Now, I don't remember doing it, but I'm sure that I did. I do kiss people on the forehead. I do kiss people on the cheek. I do kiss people on the hand. I do embrace people. I do hug people men and women. I do on occasion say, ciao Bella. On occasion, I do slip and say sweetheart or darling or honey. Yeah, so, um, yeah, that was his apology. And, you know, the, the, the one thing I gather from this is that he always, he talks about the very understandable part of the claims against him, which is the, you know, I am Italian, I get all clothes sometimes, I'm sorry. What is up with that? Yeah, okay. <laughs> that's one thing, because you can, because there's the argument that people will make, will be like, oh, well, you know, that's how people, older people would greet each other or whatever. Okay, let's just say you accept that argument, all right? He's using that, the very, the more benign of the accusations and not even covering the ones where he talks about where he straight up, uh, was grabbing a bunch of butts. Oh yeah. Notorious butt grabber, um, reached on an Italian thing. <laughs> hey, I like to grab some butt. Hey, grab some mace. So, uh, <laughs> so <laughs> what is it with, 
with like third generation Italians harping on the Italian thing so much. They just you tell me. All right, as, I'll, as I'll, tell you, I'll tell you what it is. I'll tell you what too. it is. Is that it gets reinforced by media? It gets reinforced by you know Italian-centric media. You know uh, the Godfather, kinda. But then once you start going to the Goodfellas, you see like the mannerisms between people. You're like, yeah, yeah, that's me. Yeah, I'm this guy. I'm I'm Tommy Two Shoes. Hey, <laughs> I got two shoes on. That's like call me Tommy Two Shoes. But I don't know. I don't know what it is. It Sopranos, I think, was the was the the death. The, I mean, because I see it a lot. People who maybe their closest link to Italy is like a grandparents from Italy. Yeah, will like harp on it like they were built, born in Naples or oh, something. My <laughs> mom used to make the best rigatoni. <laughs> More uh, so than any other like heritage in America, like Italian people will harp on. It. Yeah. <laughs> It's it's really lame, but you know to be fair, the, Italian the, food. Though. The Irish kind of do it to a certain extent. It, only really during uh, St. Patrick's Day, they'll be like, "Oh, I'm Irish." Yeah. It's like, yeah, yeah. okay, all right. <laughs> you know. Um, but yeah, Italians are notorious for doing this. Um, Italian Americans. <laughs> Italian Americans. Do people in Italy act like this? <laughs> no, they're probably a little bit more subdued. But this, Italian people are still over the top. Don't get that twisted. They're very animated people. But yeah, the Americanized ones—they don't really have an excuse to like be like, "Hey, what's going on? Hey, boom, bing." It's an act oh, a little bit. It's an Come act. On, it's an act. You know what? Recent people talk. No, I, I was just—I was just about to bring that up. It, I was giving shit. Bit. Side tangent about people in California who put on like uh, country accents and shit like that. I was railing on Zach about how I think that's so lame. So yeah, exactly, exactly. The Italian, the Italians, the Italian, the Italian version of that doing putting an Italian inflection on your stuff. Yeah, it's just the same level of corn. It really (laughs) is. All right, but um. But yeah, let's. That's uh, let's, Cuomo's defense. Yeah, that's Cuomo's I mean, defense. One of them. One he's of like, them. He's like, hey. That's one sometimes, of his excuses. Sometimes, what I say, Chow Bella? <laughs> it's like, uh, One of the accusations. Unironically saying Chow Bella. <laughs> one of the accusations I heard is that as the boss, as the governor, the boss, he asked one of his underlings, oh, I'm so lonely. I need to be touched. Ew. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of implications. Oh, I'm just so lonely. Hey, no, no. Hey, I'm so lonely. I just need to be touched. <laughs> it's lame, you know. And I think well, let's let's take take it back. Why did Cuomo get so popular? Right. Well, other than well, coming, it, other than coming from during, it was definitely during COVID. It was during, during COVID. COVID yeah. A lot of governors got yeah a lot of media airtime, warranted yeah. or not. It was yeah. you know, especially governors of big states, be it Cuomo or Newsom here in California or Abbott so much so to the sen- to the extent that we're gonna have a fucking recall election. Yeah, <laughs> right. Yeah, and I, I mean Cuomo's here saying that this is a political hit piece. This is a political attack on him. These are like serious, legit allegations. Newsom, yeah. I'm more likely to say it's a political attack. It's a sure, political hit sure. on him. They weaponized, you know, COVID. Look, do I have do I have my problems with Newsom? Of course, we all have our problems with Newsom. Mm-hmm. But he's the thing is, with his, right. Come on, with his handling him, of co- with his handling of COVID, I feel like he's been pretty good with it. Yeah. 
I mean, especially recently, I think, I think DeSantis. recently he just signed in, uh, yeah, DeSantis, don't worry, there'll be a massive hit yeah, piece we, coming we on We were soon. debating going, we have two governors in, in, in the crosshairs for a shame, but we'll go, we'll come for DeSantis another time. But we, because Stay we tuned. really, because we're, we're really going to research DeSantis and we're going to give you, so it might honestly be a majority of the podcast, us shitting on DeSantis. A series of political maneuvers. We might just have to do Letting that. people die for his political maneuverings yeah, and his it's political really disgusting goals. anyway but that's for next week crosshairs on you DeSantis. unless unless something really tr- really out of the out of the pocket happens <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna shame DeSantis. take it Trust down me, a big ass right now we got piece. cuomo we got cuomo but he's, he's using the same excuse right now that yeah. it's a political hit piece as yeah. a political attack part of his excuse excuse in his apology is more of an excuse is that Oh, everything's become so political, and the, the he's lines trying to play between, on the cult, the between, cancel culture yeah, bullshit. The lines between like what's appropriate and what's not has been pushed so far over that you know you can't you can't do anything. He's basically like using that excuse that oh no, the times have become so sensitive and so sensitive to everything that now I'm now it's coming for my political career. Yeah. <laughs> so you know one of the things that really bothered me about Cuomo, where I almost wanted to write about him before. Um, first off, there's the allegations of misusing uh, public resources. Uh-huh. I'll give you examples. Um, first off, with uh, the resources of writing his book, uh, which is, I, I'm going to paraphrase here, but it's like, Andrew Cuomo and how I defeated COVID in New York. <laughs> right? And remember, like, he was, like, selling these posters about how they got over the peak in New York. And, you know, and he won a fucking Emmy. For his, uh, for his, his, uh, updates, you know, mm-hmm. his, his press briefings about COVID, he won a fucking Emmy mm-hmm. because Donald Trump was so bad. Yeah. Because of how bad Donald Trump was. And honestly, and now seeing the way he's handled allegations, you can kind of see actually how Cuomo is kind of a Trump of the left. Yeah. You can kind of see, and especially the way that these allegations have been playing out, you can see that it's the way he's dismissed him is very Trump-esque. Um, I'd hesitate to call him a leftist too, but I'm saying Trump, Trump of the Democratic Party. Yeah. Let's just say. <laughs> yeah. Not. Yeah. You're right. Not of the left, because actually part of the reason why he, he stepped he, down is because they, the New York General Assembly, which is, I think actually going uh farther to the left of cuomo right and they've been and apparently the way cuomo had played politics was very like singular he wasn't trying to make many friends and that's why no one's really was really willing to stick up to him after all these uh you know allegations you know he also one of the things that came out after everybody was praising him for his covid response one of the things that came out yeah, like that he, yeah. you know, basically hid nursing home numbers, you know. Yeah. You know, COVID Something we'll deaths. shit on DeSantis for. And, um, Something yeah. we'll shit on DeSantis for, play with the numbers. Just put it all under the rug. Yeah, and you know, and uh, you look at the you look at the fine details, and Cuomo had taken money from the uh, nursing home industry, you know, uh... So it, it's yeah that was that was a really bad one that the was one attitude and irresponsibility of leadership during the pandemic has been jarring it really has it really has and you know Cuomo especially there was also the fact that um, when tests before tests were very you know e- were more easily easily to get 
um, like they are now. In the beginning, you remember, like when you were like, "Oh, I want to get tested. I want to get tested," but you're like, "You're like, yeah. how the fuck do you, you know, even I wasn't get able, Yeah, I wasn't able to get a test because like I wanted to go visit my grandmother, my nana, and I wasn't able to get a test till like I don't think I had my first COVID test till like September or October of 2020. Yeah. Yeah, yeah and you know, they, yeah, they wouldn't let you go get tested for a minute. Right, right, and and so what Cuomo was doing is apparently. He was misappropriating uh, resources like testing kits for his own family, including something we have to bring up, his relationship with his brother, Mm -hmm. Chris Cromo, who's a prominent CNN host. Actually, he's the highest rated CNN host. Oh, is he? Yeah, because a lot of people like (laughs) him. They're a political family. You know, his father father was was the mayor. The governor, yeah, you're right. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh... Dude, oh, just a side note. Have you ever seen clips of Bill de Blasio, the mayor of New York? That guy is... Dude, you gotta look it up. That guy is a buffoon on... He's just like a big dummy. (laughs) But anyway. You wanna go back to the days of Bloomberg? (laughs) No, definitely not. Um, So, yeah. So, his relationship with his brother. Because there's been a lot of... You know, you know that they talked about it, alright? Like, just take whatever, you know evidence there is throw it out just on a familial level if they're on good basis you and especially since his brother is one of the the you know most popular mouthpieces on the biggest mainstream media network one of the biggest Mm -hmm. cnn and you know they had to have talked about it talked about what just you know that how to deal with the allegations, and oh, that's yeah. what a lot of the accusations are. Is that so he Chris was like prior to these allegations during his COVID response, he was even like somewhat teasing presidential run. Obviously, that's yes, not happening yes. now. But <laughs> yeah, no, 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 he was, and a lot of people were supporting that because because no one really had faith in Biden. I mean, not a even lot of these governors that have taken a little bit of a spotlight when we talk about him next week too. That'll be a big point. But a lot of these governors that yeah. have taken a spot like expect during COVID some Ron have... DeSantis run to happen yeah. in twenty twenty four. That's that's <laughs> exactly. They've all like been like, "Ooh, I got a little bit of attention on me. This is yeah. nice. Oh, maybe yeah. I... president." Mm. You know what's interesting though? <laughs> just just really quickly to DeSantis, I heard David Pakman talk about this, and I thought this was interesting. He was talking about the possibility of a Trump. DeSantis ticket in 2024. Oh, oh. I know. <laughs> right. Well, because uh, someone's like, what would be the, you know, who would be like the best possible option from the conservatives? And oh. he was saying, I guess Mitt Romney. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> but that's like, I guess, you know, I think Liz Cheney might even take a run because she was touted as a resistance hero. Yeah, no, for... they're not going to, they, they won't get enough support because the Republican Party still dominated by Yeah. Trump. So, Trump, but like, one of the interesting. The interesting thing I thought about that is a expect Trump to to kiss and make up, try to kiss and make up with Pence because Trump needs a beta in that you know to use the terminology beta. Trump needs a beta as like someone more submissive in the vice presidential role, and he and I think yeah. people see DeSantis as too much of his of an alpha. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, and using they, that shitty term, fighting each other over the spotlight. Right. Yeah. Right. So it's an attention thing. So anyway, again, my God, it's almost like we're doing one on DeSantis. Right now. <laughs> <laughs> That's how much hatred we have we're for just priming it. Yeah, we're priming, priming you. We're just getting week. it ready. 
but future weeks whatever (laughs) no no we're doing it next Next week week next week we're doing it we've committed at this point but you know uh stay tuned stay tuned uh but with cuomo you know it just it it's just a clear case of abusing someone's role i mean the guy even so much i told you you thought this one was well, not funny, but it's like, why would you even bring this up? I mentioned to you the other day was the one where he talked to the, the state trooper and he was like, why are you getting married? It's going to ruin your sex drive. And I bet you have a wonderful sex drive. That's so weird. It's so, so someone weird. Someone on a security detail. Yeah, another thing he said apparently was... <laughs> I hey, wasn't he like rubbing her from behind? Yes, he was like, he, he was rubbing that? the small of her back. Like, dry, so you ever? Creepy. Yeah, dude, it's so weird. And like, like if this was your, someone's, somebody's uncle, you'd be like, that guy's a suspect. Yeah, no, <laughs> for sure. Uh, keep an he, eye on that yeah, guy. Yeah, keep an eye on that guy. <laughs> so, yeah. Basically, you know, there isn't much to say. The allegations against him are serious, but... He's trying to chalk it up, use excuses, like a political... I'm Italian! Cancel culture's coming for him. (laughs) The lines between what's okay and what's not have been ruined in this generation. But in all reality... And and everybody's too sensitive. It's just more of that bullshit. More of that, those excuses. It's like, dude... You fucked up. And You're then, creepy. And, you molested some people. And he, just he fucking reached under a girl's dress and grabbed her titties. That is he, fucking straight on assault. He, he would have. It would look a lot better. I mean, he, there's no way to come out of this with him looking good. But he should have just cut the excuses. Cut that weird speech about loving New York and being a New York fighter and like <laughs> you know trying to pander to the New York spirit or the Italian spirit or whatever nonsense he's trying to pull out of his ass to shield himself from this from these allegations. Yeah. If he just said, yep, I'm, I got weird, I fucked up, I'm sorry, I'm stepping down, that would be way more graceful than sitting there trying yeah. to, like, you know, be all serious. Well, he and, tried to, he and, tried and to pull... try and come up with all these excuses and, he and tried play to pull... these, these fucking weird, sad tunes about his... Getting a political hit or whatever. He tried to know. pull a, jo- a Jordan Belfort straight out of Wolf of Wall Street. You know the <laughs> we ain't going nowhere. <laughs> you know, you know that fucking shit. Yeah. And you know what I was bringing up, Zach, prior to, to you this uh, about this prior to this is about how it's when like could he if there wasn't you know the support to overthrow him. Could he have tried to just deny this and stay in power if there wasn't the overwhelming support of because like like you said to try and like sweep it under the rug and right. just deny 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 and stick to those guns and yeah. just try and maintain his his role as governor yeah. I mean he could have but even after he left office I still think it would have done the damage it would have oh no he would have been he would have been fucked any out, other out of, aspirations yeah. he would have had after that would have been gone no and totally. Totally. And, you know, I, I just, I don't know, I just find it very interesting. And uh, let's give a shout out to the Attorney General, Letitia James. She's uh, she's coming for everybody's neck. She's the same person who was trying to go after Donald Trump for his tax uh, taxes. Oh, yeah. Um, so, yeah, she's, uh, she's doing some good shit in there's, New York. You know, there's something to be said about people in high political positions of power because you know a, a lot of times like very either party will hear about this and they'll spin it as oh see what democrats oh, yeah. do fox news or, is already all over see, this even when trump has had a yeah, slew of fucking exactly, allegations but, himself. you know 
it, it's not exclusive to either party. It's something more about having political power, yes. being in a position of power. I think yeah. that makes you feel untouchable. What, regardless of political affiliation, yeah. regardless of party affiliation, yeah. I think it leads especially men in these positions to feel untouchable to feel powerful and to feel like you know people will you know kind of submit themselves to them in any way that they please you know because you've seen creepy stuff politicians of all colors and 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 beliefs have all done creepy molesting things over the years and over the decades you know so there's just something to be said about you know these guys in high positions of power they need to they need to not just you, you know when you're in a position like that you need to be a leader and you need to you be a a rock and you can't be a creep you can't yeah. be a, a weirdo and a molester you got to be professional you got to treat people with respect and dignity from whether it be your 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 left hand yeah your assistant your lieutenant general down to your security detail down to just people that work at your estate you know because that was the accusation about the woman that yes, said she, yes. she that was at his estate where she yeah. said that he was like closed the room and the door on her and started like reaching up her skirt or something and you know that was in his estate so it's just you know it's just I, it's a form of corruption really yeah it's a form of corruption these, yeah that people in power get this you know power this kick this and, and they feel like they can make sexual advances willy-nilly without consequence right and consequences have clearly come for cuomo here and he's trying to cover his ass it's not working we see right through it fuck shame you. on you fuck you shame on you cuomo fuck shame you, on you <laughs> all right goodbye goodbye Your political bye 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 slam the door shut yeah <laughs> Right in Cuomo's face. I might even just I cut it a Trump bye-bye right there. Bye-bye. <laughs> look forward to not hearing about Andrew Cuomo after this. After the dust settles here. We won't have to hear about him anymore. What do you think is going to happen to Chris Cuomo? I mean, look, if it's provided he hasn't done anything creepy, it shouldn't really be on him. He, you know, if I mean, there will always be the question, I think, in people's minds. Like, did, was he aware of this? Did he know yeah. about it? So it'll really come down to that. How much was he aware of it? How much will he did he know about it? Of course, probably being in the position he is, he'll be like, I had no idea. I didn't know anything. He'll probably maybe, you know, stand by his brother. He won't want to look like a like a weasel of any kind. Yeah. So he'll probably just be like, I stand by my brother. You know, I believe him. But I, you know, what he does in his private life, I don't, I'm not aware. Well, I'm not privy to everything. Just, just, I'm sure he'll be fine, yeah. you know, but. Well, just bringing it back real quick, and we're going to wrap this up, I swear. Mm-hmm. But, um. Back, back to the nursing home death scandal. Yeah. At that time, Chris Cuomo and Andrew Cuomo, I think you may have seen this, mm-hmm. they, when they were talking about like COVID tests, and then Chris Cuomo brings out a huge giant cotton swab, and he's like, yeah, this is the kind of cotton swab you need for your nose, because it's so big, oh, got him. And they're making these like cutesy little jokes on CNN. And it's like, hey guys, people are dying. <laughs> yeah, 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 can we have, can we be fucking serious? <laughs> All right. Um, we have fucking Trump over here telling us that we should inject bleach. Can we have some fucking serious... Oh, I did that. Oh, yeah, of it course. Worked, it worked, yeah. I'm immune. I'm immune. All right, Zach, what do you got for us this week? All right. Um, so, not really connected to anything we talked about this week, but I, I feel like it plays on our ending discussion we had last week about dreams and reality shifting, and I kind of wanted to... Continue down that subject a little bit, but this time it's it, it's something a little bit more interesting. Something I've I've seen online in the past few years. Um, it's it's more of a paranormal mystery. It refers to this thing people refer to as 
the back rooms. Um, and hmm. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know what? I, you know what image comes to head is like that uh, that infamous like corpse husband uh, story about uh, being a hacker and then getting into the back room online mm-hmm. and seeing like a murder show. Yeah. So the back rooms is an interesting one. I first saw this arise on. 4chan's export a few years ago um pull up a picture just to, to, so you can get an idea of what it looks like um uh just type in backrooms and go images and um basically uh it's like this yellow it, the famous picture is like this weird yellow completely empty room um that was posted in it's, it's very unsettling it's, it's unsettling. a very unsettling it's, image i don't know why this um, is very creepy the website it's very david lynch yeah it does it's have very like, david yeah, lynch unsettling image in a weird way it was the website know your meme claims that this was originally posted in april of 2018 although i swear i was seeing it earlier than then but okay. maybe i'm just getting my my time frame mixed up no your meme dude and uh <laughs> they claimed that it was originally posted in april of 2018 um in an x uh thread about cursed images cursed images are pretty popular x is days. a paranormal board you know, right yeah and okay. um and that it was posted under these cursed images of like a, a an unsettling a um image of some kind you know and that was supposed to be a cursed room of some kind so and it didn't arise. Although I swear I was reading about this in in before May of 2019, but maybe not. Um, so where it where the lore starts with the back rooms is in a 2019 thread on X that a, a thread began asking for images that feel off, and this is where the back rooms legend was born. This image, the one that you saw, is posted, and it's posted along with this quote. If you're not careful and you clip out of reality in the wrong areas, you'll end up in the back rooms where it's nothing but the stink of old moist carpet, the madness of mono yellow, the endless background noise of fluorescent lights at maximum humbuzz, and approximately 600 million square miles of randomly segmented empty rooms to be trapped in. God save you if you hear something wandering around nearby because it sure as hell has heard you. So that is considered the uh the post that started um uh the back rooms legend um so this i believe is a form it's an idea of it's a form of reality shifting or dimension shifting the way it's presented that you basically fall out of this reality you fall out of this dimension or this universe and you end up in some almost limbo type space and that it happens to be this this room and it was and it weirdly enough it feels like it's kind of inspired by like in a video game or computer game you're playing and you kind of clip out of the map the 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 term clipping is uh is used a lot in this as a as a stand-in for shifting you know and like you know you're playing a video game and you kind of clip out of the map oh i love i always love it when that happens or like when you fall through the map and you fall down and you see it from like a zoomed out perspective and you end up in this weird space so the idea here is that you clipped out of reality you clipped out of reality or in other words shifted into another dimension or universe that happens to be the back rooms which is a void like space that's completely empty and completely eerie and it seems impossible to escape so you're like trapped there wandering around and um 
you know, so it supposedly exists out of out of reality and is somewhere, like I said, almost like a purgatory or limbo like place somewhere outside of this reality that you've shifted into, although it's more nightmarish than the reality shifting yeah, that the yeah. people on TikTok, it's not, you know, as fun as going into your favorite, you know, animated world. It's more you're shifted into someplace you don't want to be that you yeah. didn't intend to go to and you're trapped there. And, you know, some things in this, I, I've seen a lot of discussions about this. Like, there is, like, a lot of lore built around this about, like, various creatures that live in here. I prefer to be completely empty. I feel like that's creepier. Mm-hmm. I feel like having other things in there hunting you and, and stuff. Sure, it's a little creepy, yeah. but I feel like what makes the back room so eerie and so creepy is its, is its nothingness. That it's yeah. completely empty and you're there trapped alone in this maze of you know weird moist milled the stench of mildew in these weird off-putting yellow colors you know um you know it's funny that reminds me of this game control that i played mm-hmm. <clears throat> where like a lot of it is set in like just like a regular uh like uh building where like uh, it's like some like you can see it as some governmental building but it's like constantly shifting and there's like a lot of these rooms where they're kind of like that they're they're just like weird and generic but there's like an eeriness to it mm-hmm. because it's so generic and empty you know yeah that's a that's kind of like where the unsettling nature of this i feel like comes from so like a lot of times the back rooms are presented as like i said this plain yellow vacant office complex of loops and twists it's almost like you're stuck in an endless maze and double backs and you're just constantly wandering around trapped in this like empty large office of some kind you know and um although i've seen that there also are different styles of the back rooms there's a more industrial style that's not as popular that's more made of like concrete and steel and more industrial like than it is like office like um an interesting thing I read about while well, reading about the back rooms that is that it's an example of what you might call an eldritch location. Um, eldritch refers to an idea in Lovecraftian literature of like an otherworldly place. Or <laughs> go ahead. I'm, I'm sorry, real quick. I just I'm looking at images and I saw someone named Danny Stoner. God heavens! I wish I lived in the back room. Comfy carpet that lets you walk barefoot or with socks. Yellowed green rooms with '90s style wallpaper. Good light that lets you to do important things when needed. I, Without been- unnecessary furniture, less is more. You're alone. <laughs> this stuff like the backrooms became like pretty popular for about the span of a year a couple years ago i would see a thread about every time i went to the x board and um like there's plenty of memes made about it and stuff in different versions and yeah there's different images i'll get into that there's different forms of it too um i'll get into this is this like the one you're talking about that's more industrial yeah yeah what you're seeing there part of what i guess i'll explain it now part of what people consider the back rooms to be is this idea of liminal spaces. Okay. Um, which is like kind of just places that once like abandoned, think of like an abandoned mall. Okay. You're in an empty abandoned dude, mall. That's the liminal d- space. Dude, one of the creepiest things I've, I've been in and it's, and I, I still am kind of like, I, I still very eerie when I think about it, but when I was in Greece, mm-hmm. uh, I was in this small village and um we went to this supermarket right Mm -hmm. and it was so weird it was like 
there was like it felt like there was like only a couple people working there no one else was in there no one was in the parking lot and all the food on the shelves there was only one one like layer of food on the shelves so just like imagine one like box yeah stretched out a lot and it's it was super weird like a lot of it was expired hmm. um and i don't know it, it, i remember just this pl- it, it left a very heavy psychic resonance yeah. on me that it was like a very eerie thing to see yeah, there's something about like something that feels like it was built for an, a lot of activity and a lot of people and a lot of things that then is abandoned be it an office space that the back rooms yeah. are or a supermarket that you know feels like it's you know, out of time almost here when um, San Jose skate was recently demolished a few weeks ago here in San Jose. Um, I found a picture online of what it looked like um, completely empty. And I think that's a good example. I posted it on my Twitter. Um, if you want to follow me on Twitter, that's the heartbreak kid. Um, <laughs> but see that image of it where it's like completely empty, but it looks like it was built for like so much more and it should uh-huh. be filled yeah. with people in life. It's the kind of absence like, of people yeah. is what makes it very eerie. Yeah, and it's, it's it's like a it's like I said, what is referred to as a liminal space, and like somehow like they this it evokes this feeling of um, of just unsettling, unsettling, and like I said, it's. Some people kind of attribute these to eldritch locations, which is a, a place which doesn't agree with the laws of physics or how we understand the, the real world, you know? So it's just kind of this place that's out of time and out of the world that you're placed into that leaves this, this daunting, dreary, ominous feel hanging over What's an eldritch location? Eldritch is like is this word that is taken is from it like Lovecraftian okay. um, literature that refers to something that's other dimensional or outside okay. of our comprehension. Okay. okay. You know, so like Sorry, the Cthulhu just... is an eldritch being. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Sorry, I was just curious. So here's some theories about why the back in the back rooms lore why the back rooms might exist or what they are. So obviously the first one we have to start is that this is a government project. That's a little bit... That's a weird... There's a little bit too much going on there in that one. Okay. So, I think a little bit more empty in, okay. in, in the back rooms. Sorry. So, um, so, obviously, the first theory is about the government. That this is a project created and controlled by the government, CIA, whoever it might be, to test... Black Hawk helicopters! To test e- quantum tunneling technology or to test quantum shifting, you know, or reality shifting... Or perhaps some form of like teleportation technology that they work on, and that that they use subjects, unwitting subjects, or, or un, un involuntary subjects, and place them in the back rooms to see how people respond to being quantum shifted or being reality shifted or being put into, you know, this location that is familiar but also otherworldly. Because something about the back rooms is familiar. But not so much also. It's like it's like you've been there, but you haven't, you know. Um, so uh, that brings me to another theory about what these exist. Um, because in the early post, I would see these people were always like, who has dreamt about being still lost in the back rooms? So a big idea is that back rooms only exist in the mind, that they're a product of imagination and, and the mind. And that you can become trapped there in a dream that never ends and becomes 
a nightmare. It becomes a never-ending, repetitive I mean, it sounds nightmare. sounds like a nightmare. <laughs> and that people stuck in comas could perhaps be trapped in some form of a back room in their deep in their mind, you know? Or think of it like almost like the sunken place, too, where it's yeah. like you're trapped in your mind in a dream state in the back room. So, like I said, early early renditions of these posts I would see online where it would talk about it in a dreamlike state. Like you're in a dreamlike state, state and you get transported you reality shift in your dream you quantum shift and you get transported to the back rooms there's one more theory that i or there's a couple more one more this one i think is pretty interesting this is called the collision theory okay um it basically states that the back rooms could be a spot where our universe in the in the multiverse theory where our universe has collided with another universe and formed and this is the boundary the boundaries of universes meeting together and creating this weird out of out of both universes like somewhere in the middle between them as they collide and people actually support this theory with this place called the cold spot that exists in our universe that is like considered like a void out deep in deep space you know outside of our galaxy where there's like this cold spot where you know it's kind of like just unusually empty you know for space even and that People theorize that perhaps this is where another universe is colliding with ours and that there is some entrance into the back rooms in that cold spot. Um, weirdly enough, that one I felt like was almost... Well, well, reading about that approach in the back rooms from that angle of it as like a, a, a place between universes as they collide, it kind of made me think of in, at the end of Interstellar when um when the um, bookshelf yeah when matt damon like falls into the black hole gargantuan and he's like in this like uh, weird matthew mcconaughey matthew, but matt damon is in it matt damon <laughs> is in it yeah but matthew mcconaughey falls in and uh, he's like in this weird like room i i, I had a name it was like called like i don't remember um and he was like in this weird room in the black hole where he was like you know there's stuff around but it was like so weirdly empty but that and that's where he controlled the bookshelf from right was inside there and that's kind of what i thought about when reading about the back rooms as like a version of like a you know shifting into a multiverse or a boundary between the multiverse you know so the final theory here too is the playground slash dev room theory so this is connected mm, to something that um, I think is also co-opted a lot by a lot of reality shifting fans and quantum shifting fans. And that's this idea that the world is a simulation. The simulation theory has been popular. Simulation theory. It's been popular in the in recent years, you know. And so the idea is if the world and reality is a simulation, that the back rooms exist as a type of developer room or a playground room within the outside of the simulation, but like kind of like you know, how a developer room would exist in a, in a computer game, right. you know, if the world is, if reality is a simulation and exists somewhere in a computer that, that there is this room that the developers of the simulation use to test yeah. things and that that is what the back rooms are and that someone in the simulation could theoretically clip out of the main processing of the simulation and clip into the back rooms where the controllers, the great, Oh, elder beings that, that dictate the, <laughs> the simulation that, that dictate the simulation might have in order to test their programs and you know test things before they Let implement me tell you about it these elder beings. into the greater they're not friendly <laughs> into the greater simulation so um oh i wanted so um I, I wanted to bring this up when you were talking about um 
about the place in Greece you visited. So, because um, I wanted to discuss ideas on why this is like such a popular theory. Um, I wanted to bring up something. Uh, remember when we went to downtown just a couple months ago and we like parked near the, the convention center and then we were trying to find like an exit. We parked in like the convention center's parking lot. Yeah. And we were like trying to find an exit. We like opened a door and we went into the convention center, but it was like, there's like nothing in there. Like yeah. no people, nothing yeah, around. It and eerie. it was just empty. And I was like trying to explain to him, like, have you heard of the back rooms before? I think I brought it up and I was like, I'm like, this place feels right now like we're we're mm. lost in the back rooms because we're like walking around the hallways. It's completely empty. Nobody's yeah. in there. Nothing's around. No, no signs. Like there's no event happening at the convention center and it's COVID. So the place has been shut down for a while. It hadn't there been hasn't been a convention yeah. in a while. <laughs> and so like we were like, um, like kind of like that was like a liminal space when we were walking through. I mean, eventually we did find the way out. It was, you know, not that hard. No, but, but I remember, I know, yeah. I remember we were, and also the parking lot weirdly was kind of empty as yeah. well. Yeah. It's like places like that. So I, here I have a, I have a list. Someone posted this. I thought it was interesting of, of places where reality is a bit other Similar examples to um, the back rooms, uh, places where reality is a bit altered or things are unsettled. Middle of the forest. So here's a list of them. Any Target, I'm assuming the store. Any Target. Yeah. Okay. Uh, an empty church, especially Ooh, like a yeah. mega, mega Ooh, church. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I could totally see um, that. Abandoned convenience stores or gas stations. Yeah, um, I can kind of see that. Hospitals at a, at midnight. Fucking or yes. Late, you know, at 1 a.m. Yes. Um, A warehouse that nobody else is working in or like a storage, a big storage Ooh, room. Ooh, that just gives that, me the chills. Yeah, that nobody's, yeah. nobody's working in that just is like so quiet and like you, you can feel the dust rise when you enter. Um, Empty parking lots. You mentioned the uh, mm-hmm. yeah parking garage, I feel like is a better example. Ponds and lakes in suburban neighborhoods. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, dark cabinets, dark rooms, playgrounds at night. Um, yeah. Uh, rest stops on a ba- or not so rest stops that aren't frequented on highways. Mm-hmm. Um, I could definitely see that. Yeah. Uh, trails by the highway, but that are just out of earshot of traffic. Yeah, no, um, okay, wait, wait, real quick. So what I've been doing on my drive, whenever I do drive to LA, I do uh, what our buddy Patrick, shout out to Patrick, what he mm-hmm. likes to do uh, is just like you pull off on the side of the road, you look for like one of the little overpasses and you can pull off on the side of the road, just take a piss and then get right back onto the freeway. Mm-hmm. And there's a weird feeling about these areas where it almost feels like these areas exist for, it just exists for traveling and no, like, who's gonna go off of this, some random stretch on off of the five? And, you know, ch- you know what I mean. It might as well be kind of like a weird. And you know, passing through that late at night, I've gotten that weird, eerie feeling before. Like yeah. being in that area, especially if there's not a lot of cars. It's on like there. the combination of emptiness and like lo- loneliness. Yeah, that gives it this real eerie, unsettling vibe. I was just gonna say uh, one also where I, dude, I I don't know what happened still to this day, but. Um, this is going to be a little bit of a story, if you hmm. don't mind. Um, but my aunt, um, rest in peace, she was a, she was a recovering addict, right? And she got really into uh, like like being a witch, being Wicca, mm-hmm. you know, not like Paganism the con- yeah, not like the right wing conservative witches you'll see mm-hmm. nowadays, but like more so the uh, like you know more like lefty like you know 
free, you know, unpolitically affiliated. Unpolitically affiliated, honestly. I never thought witchcraft <laughs> would be politically charged, but anyway. So most of the time it isn't. So I remember she, she pulled me out of um, school this one time. And didn't tell my mom, and she took me into the middle of the floor. You were a child. I was a child, and I was living in Pacifica at the time. I was in kindergarten, so I, or pre-K. I was in, like, a pre-kindergarten. And I was, uh, we, we, we're in Pacifica. We go into the middle of the forest. Then she makes some kind of, like, circle. And I don't know what she was doing. She was, like, kind of just, like, went into a trance. Mm-hmm. And then I just remember, like, just being alone in the middle of the woods. And she had found, like, you know, a fairy circle, which is, you a know. The, fairy circle. A fairy circle. <laughs> and she did, like, a, she she did a bunch of stuff. And uh, my mom was freaked out because she's like, oh, yeah, your, your son was checked out of daycare. And, you know, dude. <laughs> but I, I still, to this day, think about that. And it was, it's, I've had very weird spiritual occurrences with that aunt in particular. Mm. And that. That's probably like one of the strongest ones and it felt like the world did not pay, like it was it almost felt like You're i was in a, a place at a time or something. exactly that like i've only had certain moments like that and th- that was one of them and i for sure felt something akin to that mm. you know and that still sticks with me to this day yeah. You know, I could even imagine where you used to go to school at UC Santa Cruz, mm-hmm. walking around the campus late at night, being a, you know, I mean, there's definitely a lot of eerie energy oh, yeah, around yeah. there. Like, yeah, walking the grounds at UCSC late at night, was especially, like, post-midnight when there's, like, nobody else around, like, it definitely was. It did happen, like, you know, it's half in the forest. It definitely had, like, this weird, eerie vibe. Another thing I see listed here is schools and empty classrooms Mm. during summer breaks and breaks when nobody else is in there Mm -hmm. you know you ever you know walk into a building as on a college campus or back in high school you have to go to to campus for some reason during the summer if you're in trouble and uh, and you go into a classroom or a building there's like nobody in there and like usually the school's filled with life and people and so much going on and then it's so eerily quiet and empty and like nothing going on and well you know i actually have a kind of a theory about that i I think, you know, uh, you know, it's something that you brought up and, you know, I think it's something that you, you might possibly believe, correct me if I'm wrong, but you talked about when you used to work on campus and that you would, you would like, like, you know, do repairs to the the apartments and that you felt like that there was like a stress resonance within the walls that you could feel that was like very, yeah. And I would feel that very strongly. Yeah. So, so, so like imagine just to extrapolate it, you think about these very busy areas Right, these areas that are full of life, you know, that leaves a certain spiritual resonance. I don't know if mm. you know, energy depending on resonance. an energy resonance that that when it's absence absent of life, there's still like that resonance there, mm-hmm. and I think that's what kind of makes you feel like out of place. Now, when you kind of go into like the forest, and that's like very different. You know, the forest feels like more so just like a place that's just absent of everything. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, especially if there's no one around. Mm-hmm. But especially in these places like you're describing, that's what my theory is listening to this, is that it's that there's a resonance left behind from all the people that would frequent yeah. it, would be there. And that with the absent of it, there's like kind of like a... 
there's kind of like a leftover energy of yeah. all those people visiting. Exactly. Like what you were saying about being in, in the apartments and the dorms working. It was usually when I was alone. If I was working with somebody else, I never experienced this. But like, let's say I'm like working in a, in a, in a, in a in an apartment or a dorm. And I'm doing something in there. I got my headphones in. I'm plugged in. I'm working. And then like I stop to take a break and I just sit there in silence. And yeah, and I would be awash with this like weird, eerie feeling where I'm like, usually dorms and college on 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 campus housing like there's so much action going on there whether it's you know people stressing over homework or what other all the other stresses and energy that college life brings and when you're there and it's completely empty completely devoid of what is usually a very lively place and i would just sit back and like i could feel like this weird energy pressing down on me from like the walls themselves whether it was the stress of the students or the excitement of it and you know, yeah. and all kinds of things. Like, it would, I would just, like, kind of sit there in a minute and just kind of, like, soak it in. And then, like, I would snap out of it real quick. Yeah. I, I have another example, too, okay. um, of, of experiencing this weird eeriness. Um, it was when I was taking a flight um, from Phoenix to San Jose um, mm. when I was younger. Oh, you yeah. just reminded me of one. And, go on. Go and on. Uh, I was, like, I was like 18 at the time, and I showed up at the airport the wrong day, but I had to get a ride from Flagstaff. So, like, I was, I didn't know anybody in Phoenix at the time, really, that I could have reached out to. My flight was the next day. I arrived a day earlier. I thought my flight was on a certain day. Anyways, so I'm in the airport all night, all day, all night, waiting for my flight the next, the next day, the next morning. And I'm sitting there, and, like, you know, the airport's pretty busy, pretty busy, up until, like, about... About one or two a.m., it's completely cleared out and empty, and as like, and I like just was couldn't sleep. It's very hard to sleep in an airport, so I'm like walking around, and it was like so eerily quiet and empty in an airport. You know, it's usually so much traffic, so much business and energy and people passing through, and then to just be in there and feel like all that weird usually life kind of just and and energy kind of just settling down and walking through this airport empty everything closed up barely anybody around you know i just saw like a guy off in the distance with the, one of those big vacuums just vacuuming yeah, the hallway. or the big buffers <laughs> and, like, and him make weird eye contact and he's like yeah. you feel it too huh and, yeah. <laughs> and i'm just well, like walking around such an I eerie have, experience sky harbor weird I, place after dark. i have an airport <laughs> one too and it was when i was in my you know my tr- my uh trip the same trip i went to greece mm-hmm. When we were passing, when we were leaving Greece, we had to take a layover in Izmir, mm-hmm. uh, Turkey, and I remembered that the airport was half full, like not half full, but like a lot, large portions of it were sh- like shut down and almost looked like they hadn't been in use in a long time, right? So it wasn't just that it was empty, is that a part of it was shut down and maybe it was also just the fact of like being abroad in a country where you're just like I don't know mm-hmm. you know I mean we literally traveled to the Istanbul airport right after there was like a, a bombing there Oh really Yeah yeah I thought you guys were in Ankara No 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 no, no. Izmir it's, uh, Izmir Izmir yeah yeah that was the spot and that was where when we uh entered randomly they made us buy a a visa because we had to exit to get into the airport yeah, to, go, to go to another terminal yeah and so they it just seemed like a way for them but like i just remember being in that airport and that there wasn't many people in there and it was and part large when you look down and you see how large this airport is and there's Damn. like levels Completely shut. It's eerie as mm. fuck, dude. It's eerie. Damn. The absence of people 
in large structures, it's fucking eerie. Hmm. Yeah. No. So, in my ideas on the origins of the back rooms, I think that what we were just discussing is exactly why this resonated with so many people online and became like kind of this thing online that people built in built upon it. it wasn't just one author that made this story i mean like obviously the original post sparked something but the image of its itself of the yellow room i think that sense of familiarity but also like un, like strangeness uh, and unfamiliarity combined with that like i think we've all experienced the vibe the energy and the the weird emptiness and loneliness of the back rooms the idea that the back rooms convey in various places as we just talked about airports schools whatever it might be you know so i think that this was just an interesting little uh something people like caught up like it was expressing something that we've all felt i got another one i was gonna say was uh, uh empty malls abandoned malls uh valco mall when i worked at valco mall back in 2014 and there's only like four stores it's a dead mall it's an entire dead mall and there's only like four stores in the entire place you know, and, and it was completely empty. And when I would take my breaks and walk around in there, I just feel like so creeped out by it. Mm-hmm. And it was so much so that when I was taking poetry classes in school, uh, a few years later, I wrote a poem about it, about about wow. the eeriness of it. And it was actually one of the ones I'm most proud of. Wow. But um, uh, so it's definitely one of those feelings and vibes we've all experienced some place that was like meant and once perhaps once had so much life and so much traffic and so much energy now abandoned and empty and and void like and it just just strikes you with this very strange eerie unsettling familiarity yet strangeness you know so i think that's you know what where the backroom sparked from you know i also had a little bit of another theory about it in that I think it's also connected to the popu- popularity of like the simulation theory these days or, you know, reality right. shifting or people, you know, co-opting, um, you know, ideas about like, you know, being in a certain timeline. I'm sure you've heard that oh, yeah. that statement before. Like, oh, this is the weirdest timeline. This is the darkest timeline, you know. So I feel like there's like a weird idea right now in the, in the popular zeitgeist of like, you know, multiple dimensions and multiple realities. Like... If you think about this from a literary standpoint, like you've ever heard the idea of like the literary conflicts, like, you know, back in the day, based, it is based on a time and place. Like, so way back in the day, literary conflicts surrounded man versus nature, man okay, versus yeah. God. And then more modern, I'm talking like 20th century, turn of 20th century is like man versus society or man versus his set himself. But now in like the postmodern world we live in, it's more of like we have definitely a man versus reality type thing going on in the yes. popular zeitgeist that i feel like that the we're waging rooms, spiritual yeah, warfare and the back rooms like tap into this weird you know anxiety and weird interest people have i think in like whether questioning reality is the is our existence a simulation theory is simulation i don't think it is but you know it's a popular theory and people like to discuss that one reality shifting as we talked about last week is popular you know, so I just think it, it tapped into both a feeling that everybody's experienced before, you know, and connected it with like this ideas of like being in another world or being in another reality mm-hmm. or shifting out of, of our universe into some other dimension or, or, or universe that feels familiar but isn't. And uh, yeah, I, I just I found it when I would read about this online 
few years ago, I found it to be a very interesting topic, and I've experienced the eerie vibe of the backrooms myself, and, like, you have had your, you know, now talking about it, you've voiced your own experiences and in, in feeling that weird and settled anxiety that comes with being in a oh-so-familiar yet empty and and devoid of life place that should be bustling Bust, but isn't yeah. you know so are the back rooms a real place no is do i think the universe is a simulation maybe it might be cool to do to do a, a more in-depth it's, simulation yeah. theory in the future but you know i don't subscribe to that theory myself and but you know it is something fun to contemplate and it's something that's very popular i think oh, these yeah. days the this idea of like being like oh what timeline are we in what reality are we living in what what is the nature of this universe and are there other universes and other dimensions and you know and and like i said just mixing it in with the creepy eeriness of of empty places empty huge buildings like just tapped into something really cool and really fascinating that's why i think the back rooms are dope even though the back rooms have kind of in all honesty, fallen out out of the popular conversation online. I don't see them brought up too much on X anymore. Maybe every now and then the memes about them that I saw at their peak have died out, but it's still a fun thing to look into. Yeah. Um, people built a ton of lore and, and stuff about it, which I feel like kind of kills it. Like they kind of make it a little s too much SCP esque, yeah. oh, where they yeah. like try and add multiple layers and give this whole backstory and creatures and yeah. stuff. I prefer to keep it in its most pure form, empty and devoid, but yet it should be full of life and people and mm. traffic and bustling, but it's not. And it's familiar in, in, in many ways, but it's also so very alien in others. Just like my love life. So, <laughs> that's the backrooms for you, baby. Yeah, <laughs> creepy. Um, man, that was a banger. You like that one? I like that one a lot. <laughs> cool. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, think about your own the own your own versions of backroom oh, you, yeah. you've experienced in 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 your lives. And uh, if you want to leave a comment on whatever you're listening to this on, and tell us where you've experienced the vibe of the send back it room. to Bash Bros Pod at protonmail.com. Again, that's Bash Bros Pod at protonmail.com. Or just leave it in a comment, you know? Yeah, leave whatever. it on a comment on our YouTube if channel. If you have an example of yeah. the back of experiencing the back rooms, whether it's from a dream or in in real life, experiencing what we what we described, we'd be we'd love to love hear to that. Hear it. Yep. Yeah, man. <laughs> Alright, well, that's gonna do it for us this week. Question your reality. Hell yeah, that's what that's been that's been our, our jam the past couple of weeks. Hell yeah, dude. Hell yeah. <laughs> reality shift, dude. Yeah. <laughs> My God. What's well, real? <laughs> All right. Well uh we'll catch you next time. We're out of here. Thank you for listening.
Well, the feeling of a grand 